Wow, what a beautiful thing it is to worship with God's people in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said. He said, my worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. I love singing truth, and I love doing it with all of our hearts. Isn't it wonderful? Well, good morning. We're so glad to have you here today. You can start turning to the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Philippians chapter 2. If you'd like to use the pew Bible provided there for you, it's on page 831. Page 831, Philippians chapter 2. And as you're turning, I'd like to handle some, uh, some, uh, um, some business here. First of all, if you would indulge me for a moment, I'd like to acknowledge that it's my mother, Nancy Nicosia's birthday today. She's right here in the first row, if you don't know her. She's wearing a white sweater vest with a red, pink flowers on it. So if you know her or if you don't know her, uh, the first service did a great job. She was mad at me. She goes, Matthew, I had dozens of people walking up to me to say happy birthday because I announced it in the first service. So if you would just do me a favor, come on down and just give her a hug of encouragement and wish her happy birthday after the service is over. Uh, thank you very much. I love to embarrass her. I guess as you get older, you know, the, 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 the things change a little bit. You embarrass your kids, right? And then now the kids get to embarrass the parents, right? <clears throat> uh, also, men, if I could just charge you men, we've got a great conference coming up on March 6th and 7th. I know that came in the announcements earlier, but many of you don't trickle in until after those announcements are over. So, men, I want to encourage you and call you, say, you know what? Whatever you're spending your money on, this will be some of the best money that you could spend to invest in your spiritual life and in time with the brothers in Christ. Invest some time and invest some of your resources. It's very affordable. We want you to come out and hear from the Word of God with men, singing, praying, laughing, having a great time together as we pursue Jesus Christ and what he's calling us to in our lives as men. And uh, we've got a great speaker, Pastor John Fernandez of Grace Church of Napa Valley. He's going to be joining us. He's a very dear friend to this ministry and to our pastor emeritus, Phil Howard, and his family. And, and we would just love to have you come, men. So women, if you're standing ne or sitting next to a man, just nudge him a little bit and say, after the service, go out there and sign up for the men's conference. Um, Finally, uh, just some housekeeping business here. I just want to say personally, and I, and I know that our uh, uh, executive pastor, Larry Howard, and Pastor Tim Volstrom, they'll have an opportunity to say it as well. But over the last four and a half, and it'll be five months on March 15th, from the time that we've uh, transitioned uh, our, our uh, pastor emeritus, Dr. Philip Howard, to his current position, and then also, as we'll see, uh, Dr. Paul Crandall come as be our new lead pastor on March 15th. It'll be about five months. And Pastor Larry and Pastor Tim and I, we have just had a, a, a fantastic time getting to share God's word with you and as a team preach together. And I just want to commend you so much for encouraging our hearts. You've encouraged my heart so dear, deeply uh, and dearly. Uh, we're not as experienced. You put us all together, we still don't have the experience of Pastor Phil, but yet you've been so warm in your encouragements of us, and we want to thank you for that so much. Uh, also, too, you know, we were, uh, you know, we hear about a lot of churches that go through big transitions like this, and, you know, we were starting to wring our hands a little bit and go, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, we were hearing warning signs that we may see decline in attendance. We may see decline in, in volunteer involvement. We may see decline in our giving and some of those. And I tell you, we're pinching ourselves because God's answering our prayers. You're answering the call. You're here and you're committed and I want to commend you for that. 
So instead of seeing a decline, we're seeing that God is moving this train along, and it's almost like we'll have to reach out to, to catch Pastor Paul and say, come on in and join us, right? So we're really excited about that. I, I just wanted to express thanks so much for uh, continuing along with us these past four and a half, almost five months. Uh, and that's happening in three weeks. I'm excited for Pastor Paul to come. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, we love to talk college football. Unfortunately, he's a USC Trojans fan, but I'll forgive him for that. Uh, but we're, we're real excited to have he and, uh, and Lindsay and their family come and, and be a part, be members first and foremost of this church, but then also Pastor Paul uh, answering the call to be our lead pastor. And I can't wait to work with him and learn from him. So, so excited about that. But since we're only three weeks away, just this past week, Pastor Larry, Pastor Tim, and myself, we were sitting and we were saying, you know what, Lord, we, we want to we know what is it that you want us to say in these final three weeks before that installation service on March 15th. And uh, we really felt like, you know what, as much as we expect from a new lead pastor, and we should, we should expect big things, and not, not big things, but really significant things from those who are in leadership. I, I was just thinking uh, about uh, Paul's charge to Timothy in First and Second, Second Timothy and in Titus that our elders and leaders are to be above reproach. And so that's an expectation that we should have on our elders, but also gifts and talents and, and, and commitment. And so uh, you will have high expectations. You may not think you do, but you do. You've got high expectations. And uh, we're going to be expecting a lot from Pastor Paul. We're going to be praying for him. Begin praying for him now, by the way. But we were thinking about, okay, if we have expectations on him, what about us? What about us as a church? I mean, are, are we actually expecting to bring a guy in who's what, I don't know, he's about 36, 35, 36? I don't know his exact age. But he's, he's pretty young, right? And is he going to have all the answers to the challenges that we're going to be facing here in the future and in the months and years to come as we see our culture, our world, our area become darker and more opposed to God? Are we going to just expect him that he's going to have all the answers? I think what we need to say is that are we as a church preparing ourselves for those next steps? Are we going to be the type of people that are all in for the next phase of Valley Bible Church. And that, that's the title of our series these next three weeks. All in. Looking at the mindset and perspectives and attitudes of a church that's all in. Maybe you've been all in in something before. Maybe it was a new uh, New Year's resolution, a diet plan, an exercise plan. Maybe it's uh, you were all in for a discipline to uh, maybe save money or, or maybe slow down your driving so you don't get so many speeding tickets. I don't know. But whatever resolution you've had, you say, hey, I'm going to be all into this thing. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I, I like being all in. Lay all the chips down and say, I'm going all forward with this thing. But what I love even more than that is to say, I get to be all in for a cause with a group of people. I'll never forget when I was uh, starting to play football, my first year, sophomore year of high school, I think I was 15, something like that. And uh, man, I got out there for, I don't know if they call it anymore now, we called it Hell Week. Because it felt like hell because it was so hot and you had all your gear on and you're out there practicing and you're just... You're just wailing on each other, teammates, right? And you're going at each other, and you're getting hard and chiseled and ready to go to play football for a season. And I thought, why in the world am I doing this? This is ridiculous. This is crazy, right? I felt all alone because you're competing with your teammates. And you feel like, man, I don't know if I'm all in for this thing. Well, I'll never forget the morning of our first game of the season. And we had been practicing so hard. 
And I'll never forget our coach coming in the locker room. And I, I can't remember what he said, but I'll never forget the feeling that I had as he started to motivate us and inspire us. And really what he was asking was, every single guy, no matter what part you play on this team, I need you to be all in today. Are you with me? And we were ready to run through a brick wall. We were so excited. And we went out and we rolled that team. I think the score was like 43 to 8. And it was awesome. And we looked back on it and we said, wow, what a feeling you get when you're all in together. And so Valley Bible Church... We certainly will have expectations on the new leadership, but what about us? Will we be an all-in kind of church? Will we be all-in together? And as we look over these next three weeks, we're going to look at three attitudes of being an all-in church. First, to be an all-in church, we must be humble. Humility. Secondly, unity. Will we be a unified church? be an all-in church. And thirdly, and in a couple of weeks we'll hear that to be an all-in church we must pray for and submit to our leaders. So really it's how we respond to leaders. So humility, unity, and a response, a healthy response to our leaders. We want to be an all-in kind of people, amen? Yeah. Well, to be an all-in church we must first be a humble church. What is humility? What's humility? Think about that. Um, I, I don't know that it's easy to define, but we certainly know it when we see it. Amen? Humility, uh, to try and define it, though, is, is the quality of meekness. It's a, a gentleness. It's kind of a strength under control and, and not fighting for your own pre pre uh, preferences. Excuse me. Uh, humility is not arrogant, and it's not self-serving. Uh, and, and this is opposed to a false humility. Now, have you ever heard of the term false humility? It's someone with false humility. They think very low about themselves, but they think about themselves almost all the time. So someone could have low self-esteem, but they're consumed with thinking about themselves. And, and we've seen that sometimes. Maybe you've been there before. You just feel like, I feel so terribly about myself. And sometimes that may come off initially as humility, but then you realize... They're just consumed with themselves all the time and having a very low view of who they are. That's not humility. That's a false humility. Uh, it's really another form of pride because you're so consumed with yourself. But a truly humble person, a truly humble person doesn't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less. You ever heard that statement before? A truly humble person doesn't think less of themselves they think of themselves less. And so to be an all-in church, we're called to be a people of humility. Humility. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Now, before we read it, please understand, Paul the Apostle, we're jumping right into the middle of his letter. It's not ideal, but just to give you an idea, Paul is writing from prison, and he's saying, hey, I don't want you to worry about me because 
I'm in prison, but really what God is doing in my imprisonment is, is serving the cause of the gospel. I'm getting to preach and proclaim and tell the good news to people that I would never get to meet because of where God's brought me today. He says, in fact, my joy is overflowing and I want you to be rejoicing. I want you to live a life that's all in, worthy of the cause of Jesus Christ. I want you to live as citizens of heaven with full joy no matter your circumstances. And so he says, don't be worried about me in prison. And he comes to Philippians chapter 2. And, in, and I'll phrase it this way. He's asking the Philippian church to be all in. But we're going to read what he says here in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Again, page 831 if you need to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul is saying, hey, I, I want you to be all in, Philippians. I, don't be worried about me even though I'm in prison. But I want you to fill up my joy. Let me be so overjoyed and proud about how you're treating each other. I want you to be like-minded. And he describes what that mindset then is again in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Please, would you follow along as we read that together again? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition or vain conceit, it's, it's this selfish strife. Selfish ambition. It's kind of like when you're going to the grocery store and you're in a hurry and you see somebody that's finished up with their cart across the store and you start sprinting to the checkout line to get in first. And boom, you knock them out of the way. Boom, got in there first, right? Saying, you know, nudging around, jockeying for position, saying, I got to get in first. Me, mine. I got to get mine. And not only is it selfish, but it's vain. It's vanity. It's for your own conceited purposes. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's a selfish strife and vanity. It's warning with others really about nonsense. Saying, I got to have mine. I got to be first. And so Paul is saying, make my joy complete. So stop or don't do this any longer. Do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, so we've got a, a word of contrast here. He's saying, you've seen what not to do. 
But now I want to share with you, by contrast, this is what you should do. Consider, regard, think about others ahead of yourselves. Don't just watch out for yourselves, but also look out for others. In humility, the NIV says, value others above yourselves. Count others as more significant. Now remember, this isn't meaning that, okay, well then I have to view myself as just dirt to be trampled on and everybody else is a king or a queen. No, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's understanding that we're all equal as God's creatures and we're all equal as, as created in Christ Jesus in God's family. However, my mindset is going to be following Jesus' example, so I'm going to prefer you above myself. I care about your needs, not just my needs. I value you above me. That's what he's saying. That's what an all-in church looks like. It's a church of humility. Paul's describing not just the idea of meekness, not just the idea of, of not being self-serving, not just the idea uh, of thinking about others, but actually putting it into action. Value others as more significant than yourself. This is humility in action. To be an all-in church is not just thinking humbly and thinking about humility, but it's actually working it out in the everyday stuff of life. So Paul says, I, I want you to, to be humble then. And, and in this moment, he could have said, now let me give you an example of humility. Now in my opinion, I think he could have talked about himself for a moment. He could have said, be humble because, I mean, look at where I'm at right now. I'm in prison and I'm writing to you and I'm full of joy, and even though I'm in prison, I could feel sorry for myself right now, but what I'm doing is that I'm continuing the Lord's work by proclaiming the gospel. That's a humble attitude, right? It's humility in action. Paul could have done that, but he didn't. Paul could have uh, used an example of maybe Peter or James or John, uh, one of the early uh, apostles of the faith that were ex uh, exhibiting humility. He could say, hey, look at those guys. Maybe there was somebody in the church that he could have pointed out and said, hey, look, look at this guy or this gal's humility. Follow their example. But he didn't do that. So when we ask ourselves, what does this humility look like? We get our answer in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Being an all-in kind of church, exhibiting humility. Here's our example, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. As who? Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset. Have the same way of thinking as Christ Jesus. His life. His actions. His teachings, His stooping to become like us, to rescue us. The whole package, look to Jesus to be an all-in church, to be humble, to exhibit the kind of humility that God is demanding of us. It's not like you, it's not like me, it's not like our pastors, it's like Christ. It's actually saying, I'm going to join myself in following the example of Jesus and his story. 
Now, some of us think about church and we think about the Christian life in a way that says, you know what, I'm living out my story and I'm going to try to find ways to fit Jesus into my story when I can. It's kind of like drive-by church, right? I, I drive into the drive through I pick up my hamburger and french fries and I'm on my way. Hey, see you next time. And sometimes we live the Christian life that way. We say, okay, let's see if I can fit Jesus into my story. But Paul is saying, no, we're giving you an example to be an all-in church here is to have humility saying, I'm going to join myself to Jesus and his story is going to become my story. Just as he was humble, just as he exhibited humility, it's time for me to step up and be all-in and say, I'm going to follow my Savior wherever he asks me to go. Paul is calling on the Philippians to be all in with him in the cause of the gospel while he's also in prison. Uh, and this is how, by joining their story to Christ's story. Just as then Jesus was humble, so also you are all to have the same mindset toward others. This is the Christian life, friends. It isn't a little sprinkle of Jesus here, a little dab there. It's saying, Jesus becomes my story. I will look to him. I will follow him. Show me, Lord, how to have this kind of mindset. And when we've got a whole church of people saying, we're going to be all in together, whatever challenges may come in the days, weeks, and months to come, we're not counting on one man just to solve it for us. We're all putting our hands in and saying, we're going to be all in. And that first step is saying, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus Christ and his humility. Well, what did Jesus' humility look like then? What, what do we see here? I mean, this is one of the, the greatest texts in all the scriptures full of what we call Christology, the study of Jesus Christ and his person and his attributes and his work. And we don't have time to get into all of this, but I would just like to point out just three ways that Christ exhibited humility. Three ways that we're to model. First, Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent. Look again at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Who, speaking of Christ Jesus, being in very nature God. That is a huge statement. We believe that scriptures teach and, and the great traditions of, of church history show us that help, people have helped us to understand that Jesus is God, very God. Amen? Amen. He is God, very God. He, he was not created in fact, he is before all creation, perfectly eternal in eternity past, whatever that means, okay? Because eternity is a, is a term that goes outside of time, but we'd say eternity past. And, and instead of being created, God the Father created all things through Christ. He actually is the creator along with the Father of all things. So God, Jesus, the Son of God, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, remaining in that high status in heaven, but he was sent. Now, I don't know how this conversation went. We don't get it in the scriptures, but uh, I, I don't know if the Father, Son, and the Spirit sat down together. I mean, that's putting them into a box of, uh, that's like humanity, and they're not like that. But in eternity past, they decreed and said together, the Father said, I know my human race that I'm going to create, they're going to sin and rebel against us, and they deserve our punishment. But I want to send you, son. And the son said, I want to go, Father. Send me. Send me. So that I, I'm willing to leave this throne here in heaven to add a human flesh to my nature so that I will go and I can rescue them. I'll go. 
I'll go. Jesus was sent. He was willing to get outside of his comfort zone for the sake of others. Now, remember, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Jesus didn't become anything less than God. He was always God. He always will be God. But he said, I'm going to add a human nature to myself. I'm going to think about this lost human race and how I can go rescue them. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, speaking of, speaking of Jesus, the Apostle John writes, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus was sent, not against his will. A willing participant said, Lord, send me. I want to go. I want to go after them. John 1.14 says, The Word, who is the Son of God, the Word became flesh. He already existed, and He became flesh. He added hum human flesh to Himself and made His dwelling among us. He put on the same human tent that you and I wear. He tented among us. For you. For me. It also says in... In John chapter 20, 21, and Jesus said, Peace be with you. Listen to this. After Jesus raises from the dead, he says, Peace be with you. That's probably because all of his friends, when he showed up, they were absolutely terrified. Oh my goodness. He was dead. He's standing in the room with us. He says, Ah, peace be still. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Here we have the disciples now joining Jesus' story. He says, here I've come to rescue you, and just I've been sent to rescue you. I'm now sending you to go into all this world and proclaim this good news story about me. Jesus was sent. And just as Jesus was sent, willing to get uncomfortable, to put on human flesh, here is this, this God-man, and he's willing to be hungry. Here is this God-man, and he's willing to be thirsty. Here is this God-man, and friends, he needed to have his diaper changed. This is the, the God of the universe putting on human flesh and being sent for you and being sent for me. It's an amazing, an amazing story. I, I don't know about you. Any of you have ever been sent to run errands? It's not a really fun job, right? You got your list, and you're checking them off. And, and I remember, you know, when I got my driver's license, right? And you're so excited for the first time. You get in that car on your own, and you get behind the wheel, and there's nobody there with you. It's a little scary, but then you're also thinking, this is really cool. Like, I've got freedom, right? I'm in control of my destiny, or so you think, right? Yeah, just, just speed a little bit too much. You find out you're not really that much in control, right? But I remember, you know, when I, when I first got my license and my mom would say something like, oh, you know, as a teenager, she'd say, oh, you know, hey, I need some bread or I need some milk or I, need, I forgot something from the store. I was like, oh, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Because it's exciting. It's an exciting trip, right? Now anymore, she asks me, like, oh, geez, seriously, mom? Let's just order it on Amazon, right? <laughs> something like that. Right? I don't want to go anymore. But here's Jesus Christ. He sent and think of the mission that he's given to you and to me, not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. And he says, just as I've been sent, so I am sending you too. 
Not to think less of yourself, but in humility, to be all in together. Friends, I would love it if we had some people here that answered the call of God on their lives to say, here I am, Lord, send me. We saw a whole team of people go to Liberia last year. It was beautiful to see them go, to be sent, to do good news work, to share the story of Jesus with lost and dying people that need to hear it and do good deeds for them. And they come back and they tell the story. There was no errand in all the universe greater than being sent by Jesus. I hope maybe there's a young person here today or somebody that's been sitting on the fence saying, I've been feeling this tug. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's God's call in your life today to say, send me, send me. Will you answer the call? It may cost you everything, but you'll be acting like Jesus. You'll be a part of his story and there'll be great glory at the end for you in his presence. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I'm sending you. Will we be an all-in kind of people saying, I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I'm willing to get down into the nitty-gritty. Sometimes I'm not even willing to leave my couch if there's a good game on TV to go talk to my neighbor. Oh, I'm convicted about this just as much as you are. Will we be an all-in people humble enough to say, just as Jesus was sent, I want to be sent too. I will answer the call. An all-in kind of people, an all-in church, exhibiting humility. Well, Jesus was sent. Secondly, Jesus served. Jesus served. Back in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature or form of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all the universe, adding human flesh to himself. And if you were to ask me, it would be fully appropriate for him to come in great glory and great majesty, having everyone bow to him and pay homage to him and allegiance to him. I mean, that would be appropriate. He's God in human flesh. But it says here, but he took the form or the nature of a servant. He came to serve others. Again, he's not thinking any less of himself. He knows what he's worthy of, but he's thinking of himself less because he says, I want to think of these people that I want to rescue. I want to do it for my Father's glory. I've come not only to be sent, but I've, I've come to serve. Jesus teaching his disciples on the nature of true leadership in the kingdom in Mark 10, 45 says this, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first uh, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, a title for himself, Jesus is saying, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he was worthy of it. But he didn't come to be served, rather, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's amazing to see the humility of Jesus. This is our example. Now, many of you may have very high and lofty titles. Maybe you have multiple degrees, or, or maybe you've accomplished much in this life. But I tell you, you don't have the accomplishments nor the worthiness of Jesus. And here we have our king getting down, and he's serving people. What's keeping you from serving today? John chapter 13 Jesus is there with his disciples and 
And they're, they're getting ready in, in a room. And, and, and now, back in this time in Judea, you know, you walked around and, you know, I don't know if they had, like, Nike brand sandals or Adidas sandals. I don't know. But they wore sandals. And they walked almost everywhere. And they get their feet dirty, calloused, filthy. And you can imagine in the room here, right, you've got a whole bunch of disciples and you've got probably some young people. John was pretty young. Maybe John Mark was around Mark and he was pretty young too. And you think, let's get the teens <laughs> to clean everybody up, right? This is kind of a gross job. The teens need to earn their way, right? Nish little initiation here. Let's get them to wash their, our feet. Look at what Jesus does. John chapter 13, verse 12, he says this. Uh, it says this, John writes, When he, being J Jesus, had finished washing their feet, the king of glory in human flesh, getting on his knees and washing feet, says this, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He, he told them, do you, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Do you see it right there? He's not thinking less of himself. Verse 14 says, Now that I, you, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Here's Jesus getting down, wrapping a towel around his waist, and just washing off these filthy, dirty, calloused feet. The king of glory, knowing fully well who he is. He didn't say, I'm going to become the dirt. He says, no, I'm your teacher and I'm your Lord. It's right that you call me that. That's what I am. But as your teacher and master and Lord, I'm going to get down and wash your feet. And by this, I'm asking you to enter into my story. The story of you seeing what I do and now go and be all in with me and go and do the same for others. Go and serve others. That's what we do. To be all in with Jesus, to be all in as a church, is to follow his example in humility by being sent and also by serving the needs of others. Who are you serving today? Who are you serving? How about in this church let me tell you, friends, we, we got people all around you. You may see them. If, if there's a volunteer at Valley Bible Church, uh, they're probably sweating. Uh, they are probably got their tongues hanging out. They're probably a little bit tired, but I think they're full of joy, though, too. They're serving King Jesus. Maybe you ought to walk by our, our baby's ministry at the nursery. Maybe you ought to check out the AV ministry or our first impressions team with Ernie Sanchez and our ushers and greeters and others. Maybe you ought to take a trip over to the VBC Kids building and the Family Life Center. Maybe you ought to come out on a Tuesday or a Thursday night with our youth ministry and see the groups of people that are tired, but they're having a great time because they're in Jesus' story. They're washing feet. They're serving others just like Jesus did. Who are you serving today? We'd love to have you join the team. Why don't you be all in as a church with us and not just watch the few do it on stage, our worship team, worship ministry. They do it every Sunday. Oh, why don't you join the cause? Why don't you be all in and say, I'm not thinking less of myself. I'm thinking of myself less, exhibiting the kind of humility that Jesus showed for the good of others. Jesus was sent... Jesus served. And then we see thirdly, Philippians chapter 2, 
Jesus sacrificed. Jesus sacrificed. Philippians chapter 2 again, verse 8 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. How did he do that? By becoming obedient to death. Obedient to death. Here is the one who lived a perfectly righteous life. Here is one who was full of grace and truth. Here is one that was so gentle and meek and humble and kind that even little children wanted to be in his lap. Here's the one that even a woman caught in adultery was willing to go and find Jesus and some even would wipe their hair, or wipe his feet with their hair. It's the kind of person that was gentle and lowly of spirit. Lowly. And he said, come to me all you who are weary. Find rest for your souls. But he sacrificed himself. He gave himself up for us all. He did not have his life taken from him. In fact, he said, no one can take my life from me, but I willingly lay it down for those that I love. He sacrificed himself. He gave it all up for some people that were wholly unworthy. Totally unworthy. Well, maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe he was, you know, committing suicide because he had low self-esteem. Oh, no, no. This is one that wasn't thinking any less of himself. He was thinking of himself less because he said, I want to rescue them from the penalty of their sins. And not only did, was he obedient to death, it says in Philippians 2.8, even death on a cross. A bloody, humiliating, painful death. Friends, he did that for you, and he did that for me. Paul, in, in Galatians 1, 3 through 4, he, he writes, and it's, it's a greeting, and it's a fairly common greeting, at least the first part, to a lot of his audiences. He writes this, Galatians 1, 3 through 4, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives a, a qualification, a, a descriptor about who this Jesus Christ is, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. He gave himself to rescue us. He gave himself to rescue you. He gave himself to rescue your spouse. He gave himself to rescue your kids. He gave himself to rescue your neighbors. He gave himself to rescue your coworkers. He gave himself to rescue, yeah, even your in-laws. He gave himself to rescue us, you and me. He gave himself up for us all, obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, friend, there's no way that we could ever follow Jesus' example in the way that we actually could die in the place of another to purchase eternal life for them. Nevertheless, the example still holds true. Jesus says, come join my story. Just as I've been sent, so I'm sending you. Just as I didn't come to be served, but to serve, I'm asking you to serve. And just as I was asked to sacrifice, I'm asking you in humility to be all in, to sacrifice for the sake of others. 
Now, that may be different for you than for me. Uh, recently, I've been reading some articles on this great uh, website called Voice of the Martyrs. It's amazing to see what followers of Jesus Christ like you and me, what they're experiencing all over the world. They're really sacrificing resources, sacrificing their own lives, their safety, their protection. Why? Because they said, I want to be all in with Jesus. I want to be a part of his story. He's my Lord and my Savior. And no matter what happens to me in this life, I'm willing to sacrifice so that somebody else can hear the good news. What is so precious to you today that it's holding you back from telling someone else about this good news story about Jesus? What are you holding back today? Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's title. Maybe it's a promotion. And you just don't have time because, Lord, you know how badly I want this. And he says, it's not about your story, though. It's about my story. Will you, will you be sent? Will you serve? What will you sacrifice? And that's the, that's the scary thing about change, isn't it? We're, we're getting close to this transition with a new lead pastor, and we're thinking through, I, I want to be all in. I want to be all in. And that's easy to say until all of a sudden we start seeing things that, that may start changing. Challenges that come our way and say, wait a minute, that's, that's not how we used to do it. And sometimes the things that we think are so precious to us can become obstacles. What is the Lord asking us to be willing to sacrifice to say, we want to be a part of Jesus' story. We don't want to become irrelevant. We want to be all in. The first crucial perspective, friends, of being an all-in church is to follow the example of the humility of Jesus Christ. He was sent, he served, and he sacrificed. That's what it takes to be an all-in church. A people together to put our hands in and say, we want to be all in together. I'm not going to think less of myself, but I'm going to think of myself less. I'm going to serve my brothers and sisters. I'm going to serve my family. And whatever it takes, I want to be sent. I want to serve. And I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of those that live in our streets in Rodeo, in Hercules, in Pinol, in Crockett, in all this era because we want to reach them out of humility to show the example and love and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you want to be an all-in church? Well, we can look at church history just for a moment. I know you didn't show up for a history lesson today, but here's an example of a church that showed humility and then waned from that humility. And we're going to go way back, all the way back to the 300s, the 4th century. The church was still very young. And during this time, uh, you see, the church was established and, and, and when it was established in the book of Acts, the common language of, of, the, of the Mediterranean and of the Roman Empire was predominantly Greek. And so the New Testament was written in Greek. In fact, the apostles often used even the Old Testament translation from Hebrew to Greek. So everything that they were doing was written and spoken mostly, uh, mostly in Greek, right? But that made sense because that reached the people where they were. God chose to have the scriptures written down in a language that was common to the people at the time. Well, around the 4th century, uh, things started to change, or they had already been changing. And, and instead of the people of the empire speaking mostly Greek, it had transferred over to Latin. And so you had the whole Roman Empire, and most everybody spoke Latin. And now they had these Greek scriptures, and a lot of them didn't know how to read it. And so uh, Pope Damasus, uh, he, he called out to Jerome, and he knew Jerome was a scholar and a man that 
that could help out. And so he called out to this man named Jerome. And he said, Jerome, what I want you to do is I want you to translate the Bible into the language of the people, the Latin language, so that they could understand it. And so he did. He learned Greek and Hebrew. In fact, uh, he even went to Jerusalem to really get close to where those languages came from so that he could understand them. And he, he did a great job, an amazing job, and he translated the Bible into Latin so that the people could have it in their own language. And what a gift it was at the time. They had the Bible in their own language. They weren't just thinking about themselves. They were thinking about themselves less. The leaders of the church would say, we want the people to be served. We want them to be sent. We want them to be willing to sacrifice so that they can know this Jesus from the scriptures. And it was wonderful. And for over a thousand years, that was the Bible of the church. The Latin we call it the Vulgate. But something happened. Something happened over time, and, and, and the culture changed. The culture changed from being a, a group of people that spoke Latin, and now you had different tribes from different parts of the world coming into the empire and starting really to uh, dominate the population of the empire. You had Germanic peoples and the Gauls who were French and, and those who spoke forms of Spanish and other languages, and they came into the empire, and all of a sudden they said, wait a minute, this is written in Latin. I don't know how to read this. I, I can't read it. And instead of the church looking back and saying, we were all in back here in humility. Let's write it in a language. They said, nope. This is the official Bible. It's written only in Latin. And if you don't know Latin, you better just figure it out. And so it ushered the church, it ushered the, the known world at the time into a very, very dark period. People didn't have the scriptures any longer. They had to go trust their, uh, their expert in town. And many of the experts couldn't even read Latin themselves. And so they'd make up stories and fairy tales and, and superstitions about God and, and people were ushered into a very dark age and you couldn't even see hardly a glimmer of the gospel. And so we come to the 16th century, a thousand years later, and the people are in bondage because the church did not remain all in. They didn't remain humble. They said, no, it's our way or the highway. But praise be to God, God rose up some people like John Wycliffe and John Huss and Martin Luther and John Calvin and others that said, no, 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 God wants every person to be able to hear his word. And they started to translate the Bible into German and into Swiss and French and other languages and said, we want every person to read the Bible. And an entire revolution started and people were set free and God blessed. Why? Because they realized it wasn't about themselves. They, weren't th they were thinking of themselves less. They were thinking of those that did not have the good news of the scriptures. It was a humble attitude. Friends, here we are today. And, and whatever worked 48 years ago, I wasn't there, may not work in the days and years to come. Whatever styles or preferences or, or music that we love for a time and it worked great, friends, God may be calling us here in the future. We've got a new lead pastor coming and we've got to ask ourselves, are we all in? Are we all in? Are we willing to be sent? Are we willing to serve? Are we willing to sacrifice our own preferences and our own comforts to say, I want to think about others. I want to value others. I want to see them as significant. That's our challenge today. What about you? Are you a humble person? Are you a flexible person? Are you willing to adapt? Now, I'm not saying we give up the message, but are we willing to adapt to say, I want to be all in to reach a new group of people? 
Maybe the Lord has been knocking on your door for quite some time saying, I'm ready to send you. Will you go? No, no, Lord, you know I'm too busy. Maybe he's been calling to you in, in, in prayer or through his word or through the encouragement of others to say, hey, why, why don't you join the team and serve with us? No, Lord, I, I just don't have time. Maybe he's calling you to say, hey, it's time to remove those obstacles and sacrifice for the sake of the cause to be all in. And you say, that's too precious to me, Lord. I can never do that. What about you? Are you waiting for Jesus to enter into your own little story? Or are you ready to enter into his story? Are you ready to put your hand in the pile here with us at Valley Bible Church and say, we're going to be all in together for the cause of Christ? What will be Valley Bible's story in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the years to come? Will our story be about us? Will your story be about you? Or will we show the world Christ's story through our humility, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less? Will you be a person, a man or a woman that says, here I am, Lord, send me? Will you be the kind of person that says, if there's a need, I want to serve? Will you be the kind of person that says, I'm willing to sacrifice the precious things in my life for the cause of Jesus Christ? I want to follow his example. I want to be humble just as he is humble. Will we be an all-in church? Will you be an all-in follower of Jesus Christ? Will you join us as we prepare for some exciting days ahead to say, I'm willing to put my hand in and be all-in? But... For some of you, I must say this, before you can be an all-in church, you got to be in Christ. Some of you here today say, well, following Jesus' example is great, but, but I don't even know if I'm one of His. You today look to the, the example of Jesus, but, but look to His work on your behalf. He was sent for you. He came to serve you. He sacrificed Himself for you and all he asks is to say I, I come to you Lord I repent of my sin and I trust in you today we want to be an all in church but we also want to recognize that some of you need to be in Christ today I call you I ask you I plead with you beg you implore you be reconciled to God today in Jesus Christ be all in Christ and be all in for his cause Will we be an all-in church? Will you be an all-in person following the humble example of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done for us. Thank you for his amazing humility. He shouldn't have come for us. Well, we think he shouldn't have. We know we're not worthy. But Jesus is so full of grace and love and mercy that he says, I want to come. Thank you that you sent him. Thank you that he was willing to go. Thank you that he didn't come to be served, but to serve us. And thank you that he sacrificed everything for us so that we could be in the family. And oh, Father, in these days to come, I pray that every single one of us would examine ourselves and say, am I really all in? Am I willing to follow Christ's example? Father, I pray that uh, as we get ready to have some wonderful celebrations and look to a new lead pastor and leadership, Father, we want to be an all-in church. Help us to be all-in in humility, that we'd be willing to be sent to serve and to sacrifice following Jesus' example 
and entering into his story. And Father, for someone here today, maybe many people, they're not even in Christ. They're outside. They've been only watching from a distance. Oh, I pray that you convict their hearts and show them that Jesus Christ is full of love and grace and mercy. Draw them to yourself today. Save, oh Father, save because of this humble Jesus. We love you and we thank you so much for these exciting days that are ahead. We cannot wait to see what you will do in a church that's been all in for 48 years. Oh, would you find us being all in for another 48? Humble, unified, and ready to serve at every opportunity. Show us the way, Father. We love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You go, you're sent, go serve, and go sacrifice. 